Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Stacey Porter. Stacey is the VP of People Operations and Strategy at Outset Medical. In this episode, we talk about content strategies for talent teams, how businesses can build and support employee ritual, and how to discard elements of your culture. Hi, Stacey. Hi, it's great to be with you, Brian. With a unique combination of business experience and academic expertise, Stacy Porter brings more than 20 years of leadership development and organizational learning implementation in the technology, pharmaceutical, and medical device industries. Serving as the Vice President, People Operations and Culture at Outset Medical, Stacy is responsible for all people and organizational practices across the talent lifecycle. Prior to Outset, she served as the head of global talent development for Intuitive Surgical, where she led enterprise talent management and organizational development. Previously, Stacy held leadership roles at VMware and Roche Pharmaceuticals and started her career in medical device sales. Since 2016, she has been an advisor to the technology startup Zugata, which was acquired by CultureAmp in 2019, and was appointed in 2018 as a board member to the Nova Workforce Board in Northern California. Stacy is currently on the accreditation board at San Jose State University and is a regular speaker on innovative talent practices and high-performing teams. Stacy is completing her PhD in industrial organizational psychology and holds a master's degree in clinical social work. Stacy, thanks again for being with me. So for those that aren't familiar, what is Outset Medical? What is the product? So we have a product for dialysis care. We have a device It is a medical device that has been cleared not only in the clinic, but also in the home for dialysis treatment. And what's really different about it is it looks like a consumer device. Um, It's small, it's portable. The water filtration is actually done within the device. So in any clinical setting or even in the home, it just needs a power outlet and it needs um, a water hookup. And patients are able to do their treatment and kind of follow through with instructions so that they can do a life-saving treatment in their home or in the clinic setting. It really, it really takes complexity out of the care experience. There are a lot of life science and medical device companies that are out there. Many of them are quite successful. Almost all of them are very mission-driven. This is a competitive talent landscape. How do you think about talent acquisition and employer branding at Outset Medical? Yeah, I love that question because you're right. I mean, I think when you are in a space where you are creating a device or creating a technology or a medicine, certainly in the case of pharma or biotechnology, um, you know that there is a patient on the other end of this product. And and so there is something very personal about the work, I think, in in, um, life science companies. And I would tell you that's the same for Outset. It would be very rare to meet any of our employees who don't have a personal or have a near experience with dialysis in their own kind of families or communities. And and so that really makes the work much more meaningful because you are working for somebody, you've got a face in your head that you want to have, you know, somebody you want to have a different quality of life. So, so, So I think in the talent landscape, first of all, work is personal. Um, And if you're doing something meaningful that can really stir motivation, I think the other thing at outset, we just have amazing people. I mean, they're good humans. And so it it is easy to bring people into the fold because oftentimes they want to work with a colleague or a friend or somebody who had been in their network prior. 
And I do believe that good people know great people, great people know even greater people. So we, we really encourage our team members to bring in those that they know and, and they think would be a fit at outset. Employee churn is at an all-time high. I can't remember the exact numbers or exactly where the survey came from, but something to the effect of 55% of all employees, currently employed employees, will consider leaving their jobs in 2022. I think it was CNBC had this survey. Have you developed any best practices for retaining employees that show promise? Oh, I, I love that. And, you know, the, the, the question is really timely because there's been a lot published about the great resignation, right, which is that there have been some studies done and one was even done by Microsoft that found that 40 percent of employees who participate in this study were considering leaving their current employer in the next year. So that's scary, <laughs> you know, that, 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 you know, almost half of the participants in this study are looking to make a move. And I think for us at outset, it's a couple of things. One is we're of a size where the jobs here are big. So when somebody says, hey, I'd really like to come to an organization where I can learn, well, look no further because the jobs are multifactorial, they're big, they're collaborative. Um, oftentimes you're originating something, you're not given a process that you then implement day after day, you are literally like originating um, that process or, or, or you know, working on a feature that's brand new or, or you're coming into a group that you're building infrastructure within. So challenge is there. I think the other thing for us is, especially around retention, is we, we do a lot to maintain the connectedness of our culture. Our culture has a couple ideas to keep people really engaged and retained. One is that we really flow information to our teams. So you don't really sit back and say, hey, what's going on in this company? You actually know what's going on in this company because we talk about it. Uh, and we're, we're in dialogue all the time with our team. I think the other thing is we give so many avenues for learning. We use LinkedIn learning across our organization so people can build skill. We have exposure opportunities all the time, whether they be speaker series or pop-up learning events, or we just have events on campus that talk about our strategy. And then we have experience um, opportunities. We often have people who will jump into another team for a week or so and do kind of a short gig outside of their department. So learning, growth, um, and then challenge, and then just the connection to good people. We continue to put efforts in these three areas. Are there some content formats and marketing channels that have worked particularly well in healthcare? And you know, does the same tactic work for employer brand as it does on retention and, and these other facets that you just spoke on? Well, it kind of, Brian, goes to what you're doing here today. I mean, the podcasting platform for the employees I've seen that work incredibly well. We use a platform called Studio, and we have numerous shows across not only just what we're doing in people operations. So, you know, the leadership channel or the onboarding channel, we've got our clinical cafe. We've got a show that's all about our digital devices. We've got a show that represents the, the sessions that we're at our sales meeting so that if you weren't there, you don't have to have FOMO. You can just go to the podcast and watch whatever episode you're interested in. So I do think because of the shorter attention spans that podcasting is a really, really valuable platforming for your organization. Also, it creates this sense of self-sufficiency where if employees really are looking for information, they don't have to wait for it to come. They can actually go seek it out. 
preach it to the choir on this. No, I, I think it's not only that, right? But what I like about your strategy is that you're activating voices from across the organization. So it's not just that they can go and access the information whenever they want it. They're getting it from peers in many instances, right? And so there's so much learning that we can do horizontally, not just from a cascade broadcast type of strategy that funnels down from the C-suite. I can look at the manager to the left of me and the manager to the right of me and say, hey, there's a lot of learning that I can experience here but maybe it's 10 minutes, it's 15 minutes, and it's while I'm going for a walk during my lunch break. I think there's a lot of power in what you just described. Well, and and, and you're spot on with that about kind of the peer co-creation. We have another um, avenue within outset, we call it Eureka. And Eureka is all about ideas that need to come to life. And many times these are cultural ideas. You know, We had an employee who's actually in our innovation team who said, it would be amazing if we could have kind of an art festival here and everybody kind of comes and presents their artwork and you do a gallery walk. And so we are planning to do this in Q4. We're super excited about it. You know, we had another employee who came forward and said, hey, I think Outset should participate in Silicon Valley Pride Week. And I said, great, go organize it. And he did. And there were 25 of us this past weekend in San Jose participating because we all rallied together and it was very much groundswell. So I think one of the things that Outset does incredibly well is reduce hierarchy and allow people with ideas to manifest them. I want to stay on this theme a little bit because when we connected beforehand, and and I, I wanted to capture the exact quote, it was something to the effect of that your culture isn't just words on a website. The words become language and the language becomes rituals. I think that's exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by the word ritual because there's a real spiritual weightiness to the concept what are examples of rituals at Outset Medical? How do you help to bring that out in your colleagues? Oh, you know what? I'm so glad you asked about this because culture is sometimes a hard thing to define. And sometimes you think it's at the end, like you you design for it and then there's an outcome. We we believe it is is it's it's at the beginning. It's worth kind of thinking about what you want it to be and then truly developing um those, those kind of behaviors and language and then rituals to, to your word and, and maybe started, um, started with me um, that, that create that culture and reinforce it. So it's kind of this reinforcing cycle. With us, a couple of things really do matter. Language, we, we have language rituals. You know, we're often saying, hey, what problem are we working on here? Or who's gonna make the call? And those are both, um, really making sure that we're working on, we're in the meeting, we're talking about the right thing. And we know that there is one person who is assigned to, to make that decision, who truly kind of holds the, the gravity of that decision. And another ritual for us is we really do um, think about reward recognition and noticing great acts. So it, at every single one of our town halls, we have a ritual where we we welcome our new joiners. So we welcome them. We ask them their first concert. Uh, we, you know, talk about where they came from, what they're going to be doing here. So there's a real embrace um, for our new joiners. The other thing we, we often do is in our town halls, we'll play what we have as a praise wall. And the praise wall is just pure praise that bounces all over the walls of the organization where you can notice great acts of your colleagues. And we just kind of put it on stream and just show that colleagues are recognizing colleagues. You know, we, we also in, in uh, you know, any given week, there are notes from our field about, hey, this is what customers are saying about our device. This is what, you know, how we're collaborating. These are wins of the week. 
And we make sure that um, our team really, you know, if we're working in, in kind of our office settings, that our team knows what's happening in the field. So that value of connection has a lot of rituals attached to it. I, I think the, the other thing for us, it's just the way that we talk to each other. You know, in the morning, we slow down. We look each other in the eye. How are you doing? What are you working on? Um, and, and we do engage in, in real dialogue. So I think that, that that's just a, a human quality. We, we do a lot about recognizing quarterly, just the acts, you know, within our product team. You know, what are, what are we what are we creating? What are we proud of? Who's got the grid award? Who's just persevering? And so we, we really call out our team members. We don't wait for the perfect moment to give the perfect soundbite of feedback. We do it, um, it you know, as, as often as we can and when the acts happen. What was your first concert? Uh, my first concert was uh, Cinderella. And I actually grew up in Kentucky. And I told my parents that Cinderella was gospel rock, which was the only reason they let me go. And then later, a neighbor had told them that it actually um, was a heavy metal band. And so they were waiting together on a couch for me when I uh, arrived at home. I think I was grounded for about a month after that. You know, people love the what is your first concert question, but I, no one ever asked what was the last concert you went to, which I know is hard in COVID, but more telling about where someone is in their life based off of the last concert they went to. <laughs> well, my last concert was Seal. Actually, no, I, I, I take that back. I just saw Nathaniel Ratcliffe uh, in Maine. Um, and that was, that was certainly, that was a blast. You've come a long way since Cinderella. <laughs> I think I have too, but I still love hair bands. My son, who's seven, is very into Journey right now. As he should be. They're classic and, and will stand the test of time. I'll get you out on this question. Most businesses work really hard to define and build their culture. You've given us a bit of a masterclass on how you do it at, at Outset. But businesses evolve. And what worked when you're 100 people might not work when you're a publicly traded company that's five, six, seven times the size of that. How do you discard elements of your culture so that the next phase of growth is as healthy as possible? Because again, some of the behaviors that you had when you're a young company might not work now that you're a little bit more mature. Brian, this is such a thoughtful question. And I love that you asked it because in culture building, you're, we're often pretty good at addition, right? Like here is a layer upon a layer upon a layer. We're not often good with subtraction. And I do think that cultures evolve and sometimes you cannot be nostalgic about what was and you have to be about realistic about where you're going. I'll give an example. In, in early days of outset, if there was an issue, it is swarmed by like 15 people <laughs> um, at, at all different levels of the organization and uh, in, often in a very costly way, you know, people weighing in from all sides. We don't do that anymore. There's high trust in the organization that we have built. So when there is an issue, you rally the people closest to that issue. You ask for their call, like what is the call that you're going to make? Who do you need to be involved? And we, we, we have very high trust. We have decentralized much of our decision-making. Joined today by Stacy Porter. Stacy, thanks so much for being with us. So glad to be here. Thanks, Brian.